Hi, my name is Bob Brooks, founder of Long the Tooth Podcast. Most dentists fail to plan ahead for the sale of their practice, which costs them hundreds of thousands of dollars and burdens the ones they love with uncertainty about the future. So every Friday on Long the Tooth, we share non-clinical insights from dental industry experts to help practice owners prepare for the sale of their practice today so they maximize profitability and peace of mind in the future. For all the hard work you put into building a practice, we believe that you, your family, and your staff deserve to transition after the sale into an even richer and more rewarding season of life. Hello, and welcome back to the Long in the Tooth podcast. I'm Randon Jensen, practice transition specialist. I wanted to talk today about uh, DSO, dental service organizations, and corporate dentistry. It's a hot topic. DSOs are aggressively marketing to practice owners, uh, soliciting interest in acquiring their practice. And so I get questions frequently, and I am often called by doctors with um, offers from DSOs asking me to evaluate those offers, and I'm seeing pretty common trend uh, overall, and so I thought it might be helpful to share some thoughts on what I'm seeing in this regard. Um, DSO sell may or may not be right for a particular individual. That's a subjective call based on a number of different elements. What I find, though, Frequently, sellers who sell to DSOs um, come back and express regret later on. All of the things that they loved about practice ownership, they gave up. And all of the things that they didn't like about practice ownership, they still have to deal with in some form or another. Or they discover that they could have outsourced those elements uh, to individuals um, at at a cost much less than the cost of giving up all of their profits or the practice. Now, it could be that the dentists that are calling me are disgruntled and the ones that are happy are not calling me. Um, And that's uh, very possible. Very possible that dentists that have sold and are having a good experience working back for a corporate group, for a DSO, um, obviously they're not going to reach out to me and look for another opportunity. But in most cases, the um, trend that I see is for doctors who... When I, when I ask them to list out the things that they appreciate most with practice ownership, things like autonomy, control, decision-making, being able to take time off when they want to, being able to decide who they hire and fire, um, being able to decide which materials they use, which lab they send to, which equipment they buy or don't buy, uh, all of those types of things, as a general rule, they give up. Now, not all DSOs operate the same way, and not all of them manage the same way. So please understand, I'm speaking in generalities, and I don't mean to disparage in any way, shape, or form any DSO. Um, I'm just speaking, again, in general terms, based on what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing, what dentists are are contacting me and expressing to me. Uh, So they give up a lot of those things that they love about practice ownership, but they still find that the day-to-day management... Uh, falls on them. Uh, They're still having to make decisions and deal with a lot of things. And really the things that they gave up were, okay, maybe the bookkeeping and accounting. They gave up some of the HR stuff. They gave up the uh, marketing, a few things like that. Um, But they discovered, one doctor said to me, I I could have hired an MBA to come in and do all of that. Um, And even if I paid them six figures, it's still less than giving up all of the profits of my practice. And I still get to keep all the things that I love about practice. And another, 
other doctors have uh, elected instead of selling to DSOs to simply hire uh, hire a bookkeeper to do all of that, hire uh, their accounting, hire a, 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 an HR firm to handle their HR. Even some have gone to the point of employee leasing so that they they outsource all of that. Um, uh, hiring a marketing firm to handle all of the marketing uh, so that's not something they have to worry about and they can just focus on the dentistry aspect but still get the benefits of keeping the practice uh, ownership and the autonomy and control. But like I was saying, I get calls frequently because uh, DSOs are being very aggressive in terms of marketing to practices and soliciting interest in acquiring practice. Usually, again, speaking in generalities, the approach they take is to uh, catch the attention of the doctor with a very big number, uh, a number that that seems so high that they there's no way they could ignore it in terms of a purchase price. Uh, a number that they couldn't possibly sell the practice for if they were selling it in a private party transaction. Um, but as a general rule, they're they're hoping that the the, the dentist won't do the math, that they won't sit down and look at the true value of what they're offering, because almost every offer will include these elements. There's a cash portion. This is the amount of cash we'll pay you at closing. Then there's a work back or hold back or earn out provision. Uh, this is the additional portion we'll pay to you, doctor, if uh, the practice meets these certain benchmarks, these certain numbers after the sell. And in order to ensure the, uh, the likelihood of meeting those numbers, we're going to require you to stay on and work two years, three years, five years uh, for us after the sell. Um, now, in almost every situation, there have been a couple of exceptions, when we've sat and done the math, the amount of profits that the seller will make for the DSO, essentially after the operating overhead's paid and the doctor's paid their compensation, the amount of money left over during that work back period will more than offset any quote-unquote premium being paid for the practice. And again, this is where the math, they're hoping the math, <laughs> the seller doesn't do the math. This... I generally say, I will joke with doctors, did, did you think that the DSO was offering you a high price because they're altruistic, because they're generous, because they want they want to see you get paid well because they they love you and are filled with, with feelings of benevolence towards you? As a general rule, no, that's not the case. They're in business to make money. They're, 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 not, they're not idiots. These are very smart uh, individuals with, with, with shrewd, business acumen. So their offers are, are, are very carefully calculated. So like I said, in most cases, the profits given up during that work back period will, will more than cover any premium that may have been paid uh, for the practice. The other element then uh, of the offers that I see most commonly, the third element there is uh, taking some value, some portion of the of the total price being paid is taken in the form of um, ownership interest or equity interest in the parent company or the mothership. There are different terms used for it, but the DSO's uh, over overarching um, uh, parent company. Now, the problem I find with th with that is I have yet to come across a DSO that will provide financial statements that will will show some type of business valuation 
to show that, okay, we're giving you a 1% interest in our company and we're stating that that 1% interest is worth $1.5 million or worth $3 million. How in the world would you know if a 1% interest in their parent company is worth $3 million without a business valuation or without having financials to, to determine if that's the case? They won't provide it. You just have to take that on blind faith in, in, in most cases. So you may be exchanging value, agreeing to a value that is unsubstantiated, may not be anywhere near what they're stating the value is. Um, the hope is, and the, the, the sales pitch is, hey, you take this value and eventually we're going to have a recap event. We're going to roll up. There's always a bigger fish. We're going to gather a bunch of practices together. We're going to catch the eye of even a bigger DSO and then we're going to roll up to them. And when we do that, we're going to get, the multiple we're going to get is going to be much higher. We're going to get a much higher multiple of EBITDA and you are going to get a cash out on your value that will be many times more worth more than what what we're telling you now we there's this is such a new relatively new thing in the marketplace that we just haven't that hasn't happened yet um there may be some instances i've not come across those yet so we have a lot of doctors that have taken value a good portion of the of what they've sold they've taken in the value of the parent company but it's still sitting there it's a non-marketable asset they're not able to sell it to anybody else they're not able to cash out at their discretion that cash so it just sits there and get the cash for that value it just sits there uh, hoping and waiting for some type of a recap event or a roll-up event and even then that may not they may not be able to cash it out at that point uh, oftentimes there's restrictions on if and when they can so uh, i guess it's arguable whether or not that has any value if you're not able to to convert it to something that has actual value like cash <laughs> so uh it, it that is a big risk. Essentially, you're agreeing to invest in the DSO, and then you have to have a lot of faith that that that, that investment will pay out at least the value of what's stated, uh, or the hopes that it'll pay out more than what's stated. Um, but it's really just a risk, no different than uh, risking investing in any other business or or gambling in Vegas. Um, so that's something that, that sellers have to be very, very conscientious of when they're evaluating a DSO offer, that they have a clear understanding of the um, you know, stated equity interest and the value that comes with that. I've just touched on the very basic points that I see with, with DSO offers. There are so many different variations, and like I said, not all DSOs are created equal, nor are the offers created equal. That's why it's so important to have a professional who has experience and understanding in evaluating these offers, and more importantly, who can bring others to the table. If you are seriously considering making a sell to a DSO, don't negotiate with just one DSO. If you your practice is... A uh, type of practice that would catch the interest of a DSO. If it'll catch the interest of one, chances are it'll catch the interest of, of many, many others, or at least one other. And being able to shop it to more than another gives you a better bargaining position to bargain for uh, hopefully a much higher value. 
Because if you're going to cash out, the value of any practice is its its ability to, to continue to generate an income stream. The, that income stream is more valuable to you than it is to anybody else. And so keeping the practice and continue to benefit from that income stream is highly valuable. Um, so selling that income stream, if you're still wanting to practice, still planning to practice, uh, and are committed to staying on and practicing, um, it, it's the value, the price you should get for that, the value is, is, should be substantially more even than what DSOs are offering to pay you for it. Um, so having a clear understanding, having a professional who can help you assess that real value and then help you negotiate for even a better value uh, is important. Something to consider. Hopefully this information has been helpful. Thank you again for listening.